It's June, and that means it's time to spend much of our weekends outdoors, hiking. It's another summer of Little League, community pool, and soccer. How can we best enjoy a day full of play and still make sure we are protected from a bad sunburn? Well, that's our topic today, natural sunscreen, defining the relationship between sky and skin. Here on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. Very few businesses are as close to our skin, literally, and as unregulated as the body care industry. Even though our body is our largest organ, all of our shampoos, lotions, soaps, makeups, and other skincare products have little governmental oversight or standards when it comes to our health. And right now in June, many of us begin to put vast amounts of sunscreen onto our bodies and onto the bodies of our loved ones. Children, with their tendency to spend much more time outdoors than adults do, are especially at risk to get a sunburn or to be exposed to unhealthy ingredients in our sunscreen products. What do we need to look out for? What products and ingredients are best? And how can we decode the sun protection factor, SPF? We'll speak with an expert today, a concerned mother and nurse turned entrepreneur. Natural sunscreen, defining the relationship between sky and skin. All that and more here today on An Organic Conversation in just a minute. I'm Helge Helberg, and this show is brought to you by Bowman College, a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Become a nutrition consultant or a natural chef at one of their campuses or learn from home in a self-paced mentored distance learning program. For more information on a degree in holistic nutrition or culinary arts, bowmancollege.org. And thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I am Helge Helberg. Natural sunscreen, defining the relationship between sky and skin. That's our topic in this hour. And on the phone with me now is a mother and an ICU nurse turned entrepreneur, Lisa McHugh, the founder of Bare Belly Organics 
who's joining me today from Burbank, California. Lisa, do we have you on the line? I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for making time. This is the prime time of the year, of course, although sunscreen may be applicable as a topic for for all 12 months, but this is the summertime and I can only imagine how busy you are. But yeah. let's start with the background of what got you here. You are an, an ICU nurse. You are a woman, you're a mom. What did you see that caught your attention to the topic of sunscreen in your life or in your work? Why did you become an expert in it and even an entrepreneur to start your own company? Well, I never planned to, but as you said, I'm a nurse. I was working in the pediatric ICU at Pittsburgh's Children's Hospital, and we moved to Atlanta. And I was impacted on the amount of kids that I was seeing with cancer in the intensive care unit. And I just wanted to know why. I just started researching it and trying to figure out why is there so much cancer. And I felt like there was a lot more in Atlanta than there was in Pittsburgh. And I was having my own kids at the time were very young. And all I could think about is what can I do to, to prevent this from happening to my own family? You know, and certainly there's many causes for cancer, but I wanted to do whatever I could. What cancers were you seeing? They were end stage. In when, whenever I have a patient in the ICU, they're generally like really sick. So we were dealing with things like septic shock and organ failure and everything, but every type of cancer. You can never say exactly what the cause of the cancer was, but something, you know, that caused their cells to multiply, it, you know, that made a defect in the DNA that caused the cells to multiply and got out of control is, is basically the definition of what cancer is, mm -hmm. and it could happen anywhere in the body. But it was just concerning. I was like, why is there so much cancer here? Is it just me? Does it just seem like it? And I, I was researching, and I came to this conclusion that, of course, we're never going to get a clear answer. I mean, there's, But the smog and the humidity in a different environment like the area of Atlanta, I found keeps toxins closer to your breathing environment. Um, they, don't, they don't blow away and evaporate, and when there's so much smog in the air, you're breathing all this stuff. And everything that's in the air is what we're putting on our earth. You know, we're fertilizing our grass, we're spraying our cleaning chemicals, we're spraying sunscreen. And I was just on a mission to say, I don't want this to happen to my kids as much as I can help it. And my big wake up call is I was spraying sunscreen on my children. And I happened to notice on the can it said, do not inhale. And I was like, what? Why can't I inhale this? I mean, how can you spray this and not inhale it? You've got this cloud around you as you're spraying it on your kid. And so I ran to Google and started looking like, what is this ingredient? And what is this ingredient? And I was horrified to see that the ingredients in sunscreen cause cancer. And, you know, here I am trying to prevent skin cancer. And I'm spraying cancer-causing chemicals that my kids are breathing directly into their lungs, into their bloodstream. And um, breathing is kind of relative. I mean, yes, there's the lung system where we really breathe in certain compounds or air. But I said in my intro, of course, the skin is our largest organ and it breathes. Yes. It, there's an exchange of all kinds of chemical compounds through sweat, through the skin. Um, right. Whatever we put on our skin uh, to one degree or another is getting absorbed and may even end up in our bloodstream. So Absolutely. at one point, whatever you, wherever it comes in through ingestion, food or air or the skin, it's not a barrier, right? That's that's our exchange no. with the with the environment we expose well, ourselves to. Well, it's underestimated to. too because you think of the things that you put into your body, but you don't think about all the toxic things in your air or in your water or wherever. 
that are going through your skin. Before we talk about the, the ingredients you found, there is a need for exposure to sunlight to be healthy. Vitamin D is critical. Why the need for protection? Don't we want sunlight exposure? And does sunscreen take that away? When we, when we talk about spending time outdoors, does sunscreen take away the vitamin D production in our bodies to some degree? Or is that really just protection from the harmful rays of the sun? And what duration is healthy? Um, that's a great question. And that's a huge question that's been thrown around by all of the people in the industry. The bottom line is that UV is a proven human carcinogen. We know that. And vitamin D is definitely necessary for things like bone growth. It boosts your immune system. If you have a deficiency of vitamin D, you have a lot of problems like muscle weakness, cramps. You could be shorter than what your intended height should be because your bones are smaller. Um, bone softening, osteoporosis, even deformities. But you don't need a whole lot of vitamin D. You need If you're under the age of one, you need about 400 RDAs. If you are over the age of one, you need 600. Over the age of 70, you need 800. And that translates to about 10 to 15 minutes of sun two to three times a week. But that also doesn't count what you're eating. You get vitamin D from oily fish like salmon and mackerel and tuna. Egg yolks have a lot. We don't eat a lot of beef these days, but I remember being... I mean, liver, sorry, beef liver. But I remember being a kid and my parents made me eat my liver every, like, once a month we had to eat liver. Yeah, I remember that too, actually. <laughs> Friday was liver day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I hated it, but they were like, it's so healthy, you have to. I actually, I actually loved it. <laughs> <laughs> in oh, Germany, we eat a lot of organ meats in Germany, but yes. Yeah. And in, in regard to, to sunlight, just to clarify that, I've learned that you have to be in a very specific latitude to... Uh, and, and the sun have to, has to be in, in, the, in the right angle. Uh, in other words, if you expose yourself to sunlight in San Francisco, we're actually too far up north, you don't get as much or any vitamin D production. The elements of the sun that cause vitamin D production do not sure. apply in San Francisco. So even if you lay out and it may feel good and you know whatever happy hormones are still being released, when you have some kind of tan or get some nice sunny day in at the beach, The real vitamin D production happens only at a certain latitude, and yeah, it needs to be LA or well, Mexico and then further down south. Yeah, it's really interesting that you mentioned that because the UVA rays, which are the most harmful because they're longer wavelengths and they penetrate deeper into your skin, they are the ones that most often are guilty of causing the cancer, but they also cause things like macular degeneration, vision loss, wrinkles, aging. And these are the rays that as long as the sun is out, it doesn't matter if it's cloudy or overcast. It doesn't matter if it's early in the day or later in the day. You get practically the same amount. It goes through windows. This is your everyday exposure to UVA. They're the most harmful. Our topic in this hour is sunscreen, natural sunscreen, defining the relationship between sky and skin. And our guest is Lisa McHugh, the founder of Bare Belly Organics and a mom and an ICU nurse turned entrepreneur to start Bare Belly Organics. That's barebellyorganics.com for more information. So you realized in your job the rate of cancer and you had your own children at that point and you mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that after doing some Google research that the stuff you were actually even using 
as a nurse on your own kits was mm -hmm. had highly was compromised ingredients. Even recommended to me by my pediatrician by brand. So what are the most commonly used ingredients that you would find in the mass products that we are used to? I don't want to you know, just point out banana boat, but there are so many products that I grew up right. with without any idea of, I mean, when I was a child, we weren't even looking at ingredients, nor would we ever understand what that is or question uh, what that is, because we would be hoping that a manufacturer or at least the law would create a framework of safety. And we want to talk about that in a minute. But what ingredients yeah. have you found that are very common or very common that are of, of great concern? I look at all of the chemical ingredients of concern. You know, that's just me. Every single one of them, if you go to the FDA website and you research what the Food, food and Drug Administration, they will, they will be honest with you with side effects. So if you look at the back of your, you know, any medication that you have, you look at the side effects and they're usually pretty extreme and, and concerning. They do list the worst case and they're honest about the side effects. And all of these chemicals that are in sunscreen they all are carcinogenic or hormone disruptors or things of concern, without a doubt, that I do not want to put on my kids. I feel like there's enough in the air already. Like what would um, you find or what did you find? Oxybenzone, avobenzone, octinoxinate, those are the top three that the Environmental Working Group recommends that we try to avoid. And what, um, what are those? Like what are those compounds um, or, or product? Where are they from and why, why are they added? What do they do? There are 50 chemical ingredients that are approved for use in sunscreen and all of them do something differently which is why it takes a combination of them you don't find a chemical sunscreen that just has oxybenzone because if you did oxybenzone it provides uvb protection but it's not very good with uva protection mm -hmm. and so you need another chemical that provides uva and then what happens is you're, the, the chemicals are often unstable in light or heat which is funny because you're going out in the sun in the heat to use them. So they add other chemicals that keep them stable or keep them from degrading or interacting with each other in the combination. So you generally find at least three different chemicals when you're using chemical sunscreen. Yeah, we had a conversation with an expert on that chemical reaction that you're just referring to, light <laughs> and heat, that you're putting something on your skin and then it actually <laughs> reacts in itself and reacts with your skin as kind of a, yeah. a chemical process that yeah. you are having the moment you are applying it. and A lot of people are allergic to sunscreen or at least have a, a burn that occurs from the sunscreen when they're trying to prevent sunburn. But there's been some really, really severe cases recently that have been in the news, of, especially on children. We're speaking with Lisa McHugh, the founder of Bare Belly Organics. And um, Lisa, we want to talk about alternatives and what the government does to provide safety or protecting us, what you found, and you mentioned EWG, that's the Environmental Working Group, also a great resource, but we'll get into all that in just a minute after the break to honor our underwriters. Um, again, our topic in this hour of an organic conversation is natural sunscreen, defining the relationship between sky and skin. I'm Helga Helberg, and we'll be right back with so much more. Stay tuned. This show is brought to you by Equal Exchange, a worker-owned cooperative that ensures your food is environmentally sound and socially just. Equal Exchange has been creating big change for small farmers for over 30 years by offering certified organic and fair trade coffee, 
tea, chocolate, bananas, and avocados. More on Equal Exchange at equalexchange.coop. That's equalexchange.coop. And by Utterly, offering beautiful and fun clothing for boys and girls that is made entirely from the unused fabric of prominent apparel manufacturers. Each garment reduces our eco-footprint by preventing this fabric from reaching the waste stream. Utterly, making sustainability fashionable and fashion sustainable. For more information, utterly.co. That's U-T-T-E-R-L-Y dot C-O. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Our topic, how appropriate for the summer months, is natural sunscreen, defining the relationship between sky and skin. And our guest today is a mom turned, or mom and ICU nurse actually, <laughs> turned entrepreneur, uh, Lisa McHugh, the founder of Bear Belly Organics. That's bearbellyorganics.com. Lisa, thanks again for joining us today. And uh, we were talking before the break about the questionable or harmful ingredients, even tested as harmful and yet allowed. Can you give us an overview of the lay of the land when it comes to governmental protection? You mentioned the Environmental Working Group, but what does the FDA do other than saying these ingredients are harmful? What law or production standard do body care products have to go under, if any, and sunscreen particularly? Well, the FDA does regulate. They consider any chemical that is used for sun protection a drug. So we are regulated under the FDA as sunscreen as a drug, no matter what kind of sunscreen it is, whether it includes chemicals or benign things like zinc oxide. A side note, like zinc oxide, if you use it in diaper cream, is 100% unregulated because it's perfectly safe. But if you use it for sun protection, it's regulated. And I think it's more of they want to regulate the sunscreen industry than the actual, you know, chemical or ingredient. But they do have a lot of regulations. They say things like even just the SPF, UVA, UVB, and broad spectrum all should be in the same font, the same size, and visible on the front of your container. And they say that they ban the sale of sunscreen that has not been tested by a sunscreen lab where they actually prove how much of the UV wavelength goes through the sunscreen and comes out on the other side to determine if your sunscreen is broad spectrum or if it actually is the SPF that you're guessing that it is. So they have the rules in place, but they're, they're just not that I know of or have heard much of enforcing of the rules. They recommend that you don't claim an SPF over 50 because it's not realistic, but yet there's a lot of sunscreens that have SPF 100 that are on the market, on the shelves. What does um, that even mean? What does 50 mean? And is, is 100 twice as strong? Or what... what? Who, who, who regulate, what does that mean? Who regulates that term? The SPF is a tested number that when you send your sunscreen to a lab, they get a specific number that 
it indicates how long it will take for the UVB. It's only it only tests the UVB rays, so you don't want to just judge your your effectiveness or how good your sunscreen is based on the SPF, um, because it only it only counts the UVB rays. But it'll tell you how long it takes for your skin to redden in the sun without sunscreen, and then the SPF is how long it takes without any protection. So, for instance, you have fair skin and it takes you, you know, 30 minutes if you had nothing on your skin for your skin to start to show Mm -hmm. signs of sunburn in the sun. Yes. The SPF, if it was a 30, it would say, well, with SPF protection of 30, you could stay in the sun 30 times longer than that half an hour. That's how long it would take for your skin to get red in the sun. So 30 times 30 minutes, um, that's 15 hours. So with that, but that's SPF, not a realistic number no. because your sunscreen isn't going to last 15 hours, especially sun, chemical sunscreen. What is it helpful for? What can we go by? Um, you need to look for broad spectrum for sure. You need to make sure that your sunscreen that you buy has UVA and UVB protection so that it's protecting you from both of the sun's rays. So broad spectrum is more important than SPF. And if that if it's broad spectrum, are there variances? Can you trust that that um, it's for? pretty much any skin type, broad spectrum, meaning uh, an equal or balanced, uh, at least, approach to protecting you from AV, uh, UVA and UVB? Yes, it should protect people of all skin types because when you, when I send my sunscreen samples to the lab for them to test it, there's different tests that they do, but one of the tests that they do is on live subjects, and they have to have fair to medium skin in order to be a subject in gotcha. the study. People with darker skin take longer to burn, so it would be more conservative results. To you know that that somebody with darker skin, it, it, the the SPF may they may need less, or it may take longer for them to burn, even so, with darker. So skin. if it's not a broad spectrum, and you see SPF 50, or you said now there's 80 or 100, even 100 times longer for somebody to burn. <laughs> that's you know, at if we have that example of 50, 50 hours. Uh, Exactly, right. 30 minutes in the sun, and you would see like a little bit of tenseness around your skin. So that's when you start seeing a change on your skin. That would mean 50 hours. That's four right. four days. Like that seems, or <laughs> two full days and two full nights. Exactly. That's an absurd indicator for anything, really. It is. Why, is that, why is that industry standard to use that? I don't understand why that number. I, I, well, I mean, I think it started a long time ago, and, and it just, I think that it's just something that's in people's heads and they don't understand it. And they, it just made its mark, you know, mm. propaganda or whatever. People just worry about the SPF. It's, it's like you can't talk them out of it. And you, it's, it's really hard to explain it to people what it means. Sure. It, it probably occurred before we really knew the effects of the, AVA, the UVA rays and how harmful the combination of the rays is. Mm-hmm. And the and two you're saying... Suntan. They wanted a low SPF on purpose because they wanted to of get course. suntan. They, and I, you're saying UVA and UVB are the two we need to watch out for, right? Yes. There's also UVC rays, but they're the shortest, and most of them are absorbed by the ozone layer before they ever reach the Earth. So. Uh-huh. We don't have to worry about those. And just as a summary, broad spectrum means there's a balance, whether it's equal mm-hmm. or not, but in relationship to the harm of UVA and UVB, broad spectrum means you're protected from both equally. Both. Absolutely. Yeah. What alternative? Um, yes. Well, I was going to say when you were talking about yeah. um, vitamin D before, an SPF of 15 screens 93% of the sun's UVB rays. 
An SPF of 30 screens 97% of the sun's UVB rays. So there's only a, a small percent difference in that. And if you go to chemical sunscreens, you can get an SPF of 50, and that screens 98% of the sun's rays. And my point in saying this is there is you never get 100% with sunscreen. So that small amount of exposure that you are getting could give you the vitamin D that's necessary for your body. In other words, it's the easiest for the industry to create products that protect you from UVA, but it's not quite as easy to protect you from UVB. So if you got sunscreen that is not broad spectrum, you mostly or entirely get UVA protection, but not UVB. And the SPF, uh, that, that factor, even though it may double, it doubles for UVA, but not doubles for UVB. It only goes up a, a percent or two or three, even if the SPF factor doubles. Yes? A SPF is protecting you from UVB rays, yes. And so you are still getting 100% of the UVA when you're in the sun. And you might not know it because the UVB rays cause sunburn, so you don't see the damage. So broad spectrum, but you're saying even if it's from 50 to 30, double doesn't mean double protection. It means 1% no. or 2% more protection. Exactly. And you're still getting some of the sun because you're still getting vitamin D through the sun. I mean, it's, it's said that you only need 10 to 15 minutes two to three times a week to get enough, right. enough vitamin D. But that amount of sun, like full sun with no, with no sunscreen, is enough to cause DNA damage to your skin, which can you know, contribute to skin cancer. And just to clarify, if you doubled your SPF from 15 to 30, does that mean, though, that you can't stay twice as long in the sun? Your sunscreen lasts as long as it's on your skin and it's working. It's not realistic that an SPF of 100 lasts for 50 hours because the sunscreen is going to be gone, sure. right? It's right. never going to last. In fact, the FDA says that we have to put on the back of our bottle, reapply every two hours. So mm -hmm. no matter what SPF you get, It's only good for two hours, unless you get mineral sunscreen. I'll explain that. It's so funny um, that everyone would think, <laughs> and I thought certainly too, that going from 15 to 30 will allow me to stay twice as long in the sun, which is clearly not true. No, and that's scary <laughs> because people get a false sense of security of course. and they think that. And yes, they, of course. And you know, they come home from the beach burnt and they don't understand why and they think their sunscreen didn't work. And then they blame um, the sun. We want to dive into the world of non-toxic alternatives. Or do you, okay. have, do you have something else to well, add to the... I'll just say that chemical sunscreen is absorbed into your skin cell and into your bloodstream every two hours. Your body finds something toxic in its skin cell and wants to get rid of it. And that you know turns on your immune system and it tells your body, let's get rid of this chemical that's in my skin. And it gets taken to your liver and your kidneys, and it gets filtered, and it's gone. So when you're using chemical sunscreen, every two hours, it's gone, no matter what the SPF is. When you use mineral sunscreen, it sits on top of your skin, and it's there as long as you can see it. Great. And that's exactly the topic. Natural sunscreen, natural sunscreen, defining yep. the relationship between sky and skin. That's our topic. How apropos in June now here on An Organic Conversation today, our guest is Lisa McHugh, the founder of Bear Belly Organics. She's joining us today from Burbank, California. That's bearbellyorganics.com. 
So what alternatives have you found that are non-toxic, that work as well or better, and again, have no damage uh, whatsoever on your, on your body or on that chemical process that occurs when you apply them? What, what do you well, use in your products? So the FDA approved 17 ingredients, 15 of them are chemical, two are not. They're considered mineral. And the only two that are non-chemical that are considered mineral are zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. Zinc oxide is declared by the FDA to be the best UVA, UVB block on the market. And so that's the only thing that I use. It's the least It, it has no side effects. It's very hypoallergenic. It's a mineral. It's natural. It's what grandmas used to do when they mixed it up with coconut oil and rubbed it all over the kids years and years ago. So zinc, and, and zinc oxide is a broad spectrum naturally as you... Yes. Yeah, as well, a, I had as a mineral. tested, but absolutely. It's a broad spectrum. It's the best UVA, UVB block and reflector uh, and, that is approved for use in sunscreen, and that is written just like that on the FDA's website. So why would companies even use those other 15 chemicals that <laughs> that have some you know questionable like why 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 not just use zinc oxide? Is it is it trickier because to use to manufacture something out of that or Because no, it's not hard to manufacture, but Americans want they don't want the whiteness that comes with using zinc oxide and they want it to be easy. We want quick. I have five kids, so it takes me a while. <laughs> To rub the sunscreen on my children and let them go play. But I do it because I know it's the best thing for them. But it's way easier to grab a can and spray them all. And then every two hours at a time, I say, oh, come here and let me spray you again. It's hard to get out of those easy habits. So once again, just as with food or with everything else, the convenience yeah. defines the product. Yeah. And the well, compromise of using then harmful ingredients or chemicals that have a, a toxicity report on FDA's website is really because we choose to to use products that are quicker, simpler. Well, also people trust that the FDA approved it, so it can't be that bad. I mean, McDonald's is in business, <laughs> so it can't be that bad. Millions of people go there every day. <laughs> the FDA says that these chemicals, though they do have side effects and potential health risks, they have determined that exposure to the ultraviolet rays of the sun, a proven human carcinogen, is more harmful than using sunscreen. They mm -hmm. basically want people to use sunscreen. Sure. I mean, in the food, I, I'd have to agree. I, I, I would want, you know, if my kid would not wear my mineral sunscreen or healthy sunscreen, I want them to wear sunscreen. Yeah. And you know, I can hope and pray that they don't get skin cancer, you know, cancer from the chemicals. But I would. I would feel better. Do you know, um, in, in food production, there are several thousand, actually, food additives allowed from from <laughs> dyes to colorings yes, to preservatives. And they, synthetic stuff, yeah. <laughs> and they, they are not tested in their combination. They're, uh, they're only tested as a single ingredient and, mm -hmm. and then assessed and then either approved or, or not. And many food items have, you know, dozens and dozens of, of different chemical compounds added to them in non-organic production that list in organic is, is, is about a hundred or so. But again, several thousand are allowed in non-organic production or many, many, many of them chemical-based. And FDA has never 
looked at toxicity in this cocktail, in the mix of multiple right. chemicals combined. Exactly. Do you know if that is different for the sunscreen? What if a product has all 15? Is there any test done of what those, I mean, those are chemicals. They must react to one right. another as well. Do you, are you aware of any study where FDA has actually not. looked at the toxicity of the cocktail effect? No. I've read every page that the FDA has put out on sunscreen. And no, I've never seen anything that says that, that this is less to toxic if it's used alone as, as opposed to in combination with this and this. Wow. And, and that's one of my concerns. Like, it, sure. it, you know, the stabilizers, like, it's, it's not even the chemical that's protecting you from the sun. It's all, you know, what about all the other things? Yeah, so I mean, often somebody, it's not the active. Somebody on fire when they were spraying their sunscreen near their grill. And, it, it, you know, the sunscreen adhered to their skin and caught their skin on fire. Like, what is in there? Sure, yeah. I mean, many are mineral oil-based or benzene is highly toxic, uh, flammable. Mm -hmm. So there, there are... And you're right, often it's not even the active ingredient, but the, the right. stabilizer, right? The passive ingredient, the other ingredients mm -hmm. that make it more toxic or add a level of toxicity to it that then alters the entire product. So more research is, needs, is definitely needed there since it is our skin and our health and we do breathe it in. So you found zinc oxide and then titanium oxide, but you only use zinc oxide. What's the, how do you make your products? What is the... What's, what's the process? What else do you add to make it even applicable? To start with, I never intended to make sunscreen. <laughs> I just wanted to find a healthy alternative for my own kids. And I searched and looked, and there were a lot of things that were important to me as, a, as me, just as my own personal concerns, and I wasn't able to find them. And some of the things that I wanted was I wanted it to be made in the USA. I wanted non-GMO. I wanted rec recyclable containers, fair trade. No animal tests, but I wanted it to be as organic as possible. And it's really hard to find that. And in a sense, it's kind of frustrating to me because, you know, I'm a whole foods believer. Like, we buy these packaged foods that are all processed, and we need the real thing. And, you know, in a product like sunscreen, it was, like, impossible. It, it's improved a lot since I started because I think other people have started to, to open up their eyes, too. But my sunscreen is made by hand, and it's made with, Whole ingredients like organic beeswax, shea butter, avocado oil, Jehova oil, sesame oil, and zinc oxide. Very basic, very simple, very few ingredients, just the way I buy my food. Yeah, interesting that you mentioned the oils, that there's something to the skin, of course, protecting them from the sun, but also the healthiest skin can deal with sun exposure or any kind of exposure better yeah. than unhealthy skin. And I found that if I'm, you know, in San Francisco here spending a few hours at the beach, when if I put, for example, olive oil on my skin, which is a kind of a European trick, it alters yeah. the damage a little bit. It's it's just really well, it keeps nourishing. Well, hydrated and healthier. Exactly, when you exactly. dry out the cell, it's really likely to get damaged way faster. Yeah, and ocean wind dries you out as, as wonderful yeah. as it may be. So adding oils to sunscreen, which I usually, I don't remember seeing on commercially available sunscreens that they really take, uh, you know, a, a, an approach of, of skin care to it, of really caring for the skin and oiling it and providing vitamins. And so keeping it as healthy and robust to deal with sun and then adding a layer of, of sun protection to it seems like logical approach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I experimented with a lot of different oils and I, I was concerned about the ones that would hold the sunscreen on the skin for the longest as well. So I wanted something that held the zinc oxide 
on my skin for the longest amount of time so that my kids could get in the water and be protected and not have it fall off their skin. Of course. So the combination of beeswax and shea butter, that, you know, the thickness of the waxier, you know, the, whatever it will make it Repels the, the moisture, yeah, whether they sweat or yeah. they swim, yeah. Where, where can people, where have you found the most information in your research when you started to think about protecting your children, certainly, and, and maybe creating your own product line to offer what was not available in the marketplace? You mentioned the Environmental Working Group. Yeah. And yes, there has been much more interest in the last, you know, four, five, six years on, yeah. it's not just, in this case, it's sunscreen, but skincare in general, makeup, of course, certainly lipstick, you know, women women yeah. ingest uh, a couple pounds of lipstick in their lifetime <laughs> if they apply daily lipstick to their lips. So there, there is this entire industry that is now looking for some kind of regulation or even self-regulation as the natural product world is growing and awareness is changing. But if you had to give some tips to where to find more information, where to get informed now that we're hitting the summer in full stride. Yeah. What is, what's the most helpful? Well, when I was looking for sunscreen, when I realized I didn't want to spray anymore and use chemicals, Environmental Working Group is what I had first found. And I remember printing out a list of sunscreens and going to my local nature's market and saying, could you guys carry some of these? Because I don't want what you guys are selling. You know, this this is why. And I was educating store owners on what to order for their store, <laughs> begging yes. them to like carry the stuff. Cause I was ordering stuff online that was very expensive. And I, you know, the shipping and everything, it, it became expensive for me. I mean, I would use a tube of sunscreen a day on all of my children. Of course, so with five kids. That's yeah. Yeah. Whoa. I was like, yeah, how hard can this be? I'm just going to do it the old fashioned way and just mix up some stuff and make it work. But then, you know, you have to have it tested before you can sell it. So I had to get the whole process. Environmental Working Group, that's ewg.org, um, on all kinds of environmental pollutants or products, really. They do. Things like cleaning products. Yeah, they're, they're very good about making you aware of what's in your, in your stuff. And you were saying um, they have two different categories, right? They tell you both... Uh, I mean, we know them through the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15, the foods that you should avoid um, eating that are the mm -hmm. most sprayed, that you should avoid eating in non-organic form. That's the Dirty Dozen. And then the Clean 15 is the, the naturally um, most clean foods that you could find right. in the store if you don't have access to organic. So they do provide the good, the bad, and the ugly in a way. Um, they provide right, yeah. the, the list of what to avoid, but also then products even uh, as a recommendation that are tested. Somewhat, by, yes. Yeah. And we still have to do our own research too, though, because I've, I've noticed for years the Environmental Working Group, they do not require SPF or, or UVA or UVB or water-resistant testing. That's assuming that all the substances that are listed have been tested as the FDA requires. Oh, so you're um, saying the environmental group tests for toxicity, but not necessarily for for the functionality of the product if it really works. Environmental working group lists their substances based on ingredients only, but you have to get your information from all different places. Sure, I mean, always. FDA, I think it fails in many areas. It, it has good information. You want to, you know all the side effects of all the ingredients and the chemicals and you know, the worst case. And if you want to be educated on the regulations yourself, why do they regulate? What are the regulations? The FDA website is great. Great. Um, skin Cancer Foundation has really good information on skin cancer, but it does not address the toxicity of any of the chemicals. So in combination, all of those resources are great. 
And of yeah. course, your website, that's Bare Belly Organics. And that is Lisa McHugh, the founder of Bare Belly Organics, an ICU nurse and mom turned entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And are you, are you still a nurse? Are you still working in the ICU? I am a nurse, but I'm not working. I'm running around five busy kids, and my youngest <laughs> son has special needs. He has cerebral palsy, so yes. I have dedicated my time to my family right now. But I do miss it, and I'm excited to go back. One well, day. and your family is better for it, and we are better <laughs> for it because. Um, of and I'm making sunscreen around the exactly clock. Exactly, so the really amazing hard right now. <laughs> products that you have. Thank you so much, yeah. Lisa, for sh literally shedding light, sunlight onto this topic of sunscreen, the issues, the concerns, and how to understand and navigate this better. Um, that's mm -hmm. natural sunscreen defining the relationship between sky and skin in this hour of an organic conversation. Thank you so much for joining us and for everything you, you do. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's fun to talk to people and help them understand. Thank you. We'll have you back soon. Thank you. Take care, Lisa. Bye-bye. Bye. And we are switching gears just a little bit from what we put on our skin to what we put in our bellies. Here's the consumer update from the world of organic fruits and vegetables, the update from the San Francisco produce dock. Here is what's in season. And as always, on the phone with me is Earl's Organic Produce, but in this case, not Earl Herrick, the founder himself, but again, Rodrigo, who we had on the show a few weeks back, one of his experts on produce and one of his buyers. Rodrigo, do we have you? Yes. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I, I'm great. It's June, and uh, we are we are just, wow, two weeks away from summer solstice, so I'm, I feel like I haven't gotten my share of summer quite yet. I can only imagine how busy you guys are, and I have a very specific question for you, and Earl said, no, you got to talk to Rodrigo, because it is kind of a, a miracle there. I was at my local natural food store last week, and I walked through the apple aisle, and I I expected apples from the Southern Hemisphere at this point because everything that was harvested last fall in California or throughout the U.S., certainly nine months later, is no longer out of storage. And they had apples from Washington. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was mislabeled. And I asked the, the guy and he said, no, they opened up another storage locker, these huge warehouses, controlled atmosphere apples. Um, and these are actually from Washington. So these were about eight or nine months old apples. Not that they were bad, but can you tell me what's happening? How is that possible that late in summer still last year's apples? Absolutely. It's one of the, if we can call it, one of the miracles of technology, uh, in this case put to the service of um, organic agriculture. The reason why we still see Washington apples that have been harvested, you know, in the autumn, many, many months ago, yes. is uh, because of what you mentioned, the control atmosphere, which is different than the regular cold storage, because on top of temperature, uh, keeping them at 32 to 33 degrees Fahrenheit, which is uh, zero degrees Celsius, on top of that, uh, there is uh, control of the gases. So try to make it in a way that bacteria will not do very well there. They're taking, uh, in this sealed uh, um, cold storage, the oxygen is minimal and is replaced by carbon dioxide. 
You know, they, they, that's what they pump. Wow. And also, there are something that is called um, ethylene extractors. So a low level of oxygen, besides that, the low temperature in the ethylene extractors. Ethylene is this hormone that, uh, you know, makes the fruit ripen. Uh, yeah. ripen. Mm-hmm. Uh, although apples don't ripen, but they, they will, you know, they will go bad. Yeah. It's uh, creating this very special cold storage that is called a control atmosphere. This year, for the first time, we've been enjoying California apples, believe it or not. California apples in June. So I would think, and I actually I, I, we've talked about this with you and Earl many times, if you keep something kind of suspended in time, really, right? Uh, if you then take it out and you put it back on the timeline, it doesn't start with day one. It kind of a little bit kicks back to October when it was harvested. In other words, it ripens possibly much quicker. You can't just leave it out on the counter. Is that true? That is true. And also, let me tell you that this technology, it doesn't work the same way for all fruits. Yeah. Even if they're very, very close related. For instance, uh, Asian pears, they can't be kept in contra atmosphere. That's why we don't see Asian pears in June uh, or July. Mm-hmm. Because they just, uh, the research is not done to the point where we have a control atmosphere specific for, for, for every single commodity. Uh-huh. And we don't know why Asian pears don't store. They um, they turn black. Wow. Really, I mean, they haven't discovered why is it that they turn black inside. The apple season is September, October, November, maybe into December. So what is your best recommendation? Um, mm-hmm. what's, what's the downside of a California apple that has been stored for nine months? I would think that the enzymes are challenged. Talking for from the consumer perspective, yes. more than uh, you know, yeah. uh, a buyer, I would say that uh, for me the main thing is uh, the loss of um, antioxidants. Uh-huh. And uh, there's been some research done in a fresh apple, or even a, an apple that uh, has you know uh, uh, less than two months, we can still consider fresh. It has a much higher level of antioxidants. Of antioxidants, yeah. um, antioxidants ter- start decreasing regardless of control atmosphere. They just, uh, you know, they, as the time progresses, uh-huh. the level of antioxidants will, will decrease. And that takes us to, a, you know, many times difficult to answer question. I mean, do I want something that is local, although it's been in storage for, uh, you know, eight months, or do I buy something that is fresh, but it was grown thousands of miles away from here, but in a place where they are in the middle in of the season. season. Yeah. Which would be what, Chile or like Argentina? Where do you get apples from that are actually fresh right now? Right now, Chile, Argentina, and uh, in about a week, I would say maybe, yeah, about a week, we'll see an abundance of New Zealand apples. They are very, very good apples. So it's very interesting to see how apples, they have a very uh, limited range Uh where they can grow. So we don't have them from everywhere. And... uh, Although, you know, it's very interesting, but you can grow apples in all 50 states, but only in a handful they will be actually good. <laughs> Many times you can see that apple tree in, in somewhere where you had never heard of uh, an apple producing place. Sure. And you're going to see that those apples are, are very small or very tart or... Uh, you know, doesn't resemble a, a commercial apple at all. But I love that, and I love that we can't answer that. The consumer needs to know this and then make their own decision, right? There's the places in the southern hemisphere that are now turning into late fall, New Zealand coming up soon. They are in their 
late fall apple harvest time, but that is as far away from the U.S. as you can possibly make it. Those apples have been shipped for two, three weeks. You get the enzymes, but you have the carbon footprint of the apple, certainly. Or you go with something that is, you know, from the next state over, Washington in this case, if you listen to the show in California, certainly yummy still, if, if a fresh, relatively fresh, yummy apple just out of storage, but harvested eight months ago and you don't get the enzymes or the antioxidants. It's a toss and we can't really tell the consumer what's the better choice. They need to know that, right? That is correct. I think the best we can do is to... Educate. Both options yeah. in front of the customer and inform the customer, and uh, you know, have them make the same. They, they have them make the decision by themselves. And sometimes you may, you know, uh, you may say, "Well, I, I want a Fuji from Washington, but you know what? These Braeburns from Chile, I, I just not going to let them go." And then you can think about those jazz that this time of the year you only get it from New Zealand, but you like the jazz apple so much that you are going to you're going to give it a try. Right. And actually you you're raising a really good point. I do I don't think I I really want to say that as a as a criticism. I don't think stores are doing a good job um, laying out for the customer where the apples are from and what that means really. One you don't leave on the counter, the one that has been in storage eat rather quickly. Whereas the one from New Zealand, you know, you might get a few more days out of it. Um, what an opportunity for stores to to step up and and become educators of the consumer, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, it's surprising to see what people will decide after they have all the information. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Great. Thank you so much for your knowledge, uh, Rodrigo. Such a pleasure to have you. That's one of the key buyers at Earl's Organic, an expert in so many uh, areas, tropicals and also apples. Thanks, Rodrigo, for your time. Pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Love you back soon. Take care. And that wraps up this week's episode of An Organic Conversation, Natural Sunscreen, Defining the Relationship Between Sky and Skin. And related to that as well, the update from the produce doc, in this case on apples, controlled atmospheres still available as well as apples from the southern hemisphere. What's the difference and how to treat them, how to eat them. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back with another episode next week. I'm Helge Helberg. This is an organic conversation. And that was this week's edition of an organic conversation. Thank you so much for listening. A big thank you also to our associate producer, Kristen Ponger. An organic conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Equal Exchange a worker-owned cooperative that ensures your food is environmentally sound and socially just. Equal Exchange has been creating big change for small farmers for over 30 years by offering certified organic and fair trade coffee, tea, chocolate, bananas and avocados. More on Equal Exchange at equalexchange.coop. And utterly offering beautiful and fun clothing for boys and girls that is made entirely from the unused fabric of prominent apparel manufacturers. Every garment reduces our eco-footprint by preventing this fabric from reaching the waste stream. Utterly, making sustainability fashionable and fashion sustainable. For more information, utterly.co. Also, Earl's Organic Produce, 
a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? Anyone can buy directly from Earl's Organic at wholesale prices. The website is earlsorganic.com. And Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine without synthetic sulfites or other preservatives. Family owned and operated since 1980. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. Lastly, thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to anorganicconversation.com or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play so you'll never miss an episode. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, find us on Facebook and Instagram at An Organic Conversation and on Twitter at Talk Organic. I'm Helge Helberg, and we'll be back with another great episode right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then.